Glad you could join us for another episode of Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagonblast. As you know, if you've listened to Cranford Radio over time, we tend to do a fair amount of getting to know you type podcasts with various elected officials who represent Cranford at various levels of government. Today, my guest is Terry Curran. He is the new deputy mayor on the township committee. Terry, welcome to Cranford Radio. Thanks, Bernie. I'm glad uh, to be on and like the opportunity to talk with you. Well, I think when we first were scheduling this, you were not yet the deputy mayor. That is relatively new. Correct. And that Correct. was uh, because our previous deputy mayor, Jason Garris, took a job with the Union County Prosecutor's Office, and that required him to step down from his uh, township committee duties. But you were just elected last November, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep, I've been on the council of the committee since uh, January. Quite a learning a learning curve, but uh, <laughs> I think so far things are going well. Well, we were talking just a little before we started recording, and as I looked at your background, I think you have one of the most diverse backgrounds of anyone I've ever had on one of my Cranford Radio podcasts. For those who don't know, Terry was in the Marine Corps. He also served as a Jersey City police officer, and he currently is a surgeon practicing at Morristown Medical Center. So, wow, quite a, quite a background. Why don't we start, even before that, though, about growing up? Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about your childhood, if you would, please. Sure. I, I grew up in Jersey City. Uh, I lived there pretty much my whole life until I was about 25, but uh, I grew up there with my parents and my Two brothers and sister, uh, Colin, Sean, and Maureen, and um, I was the youngest of the four. My dad was a Jersey City police officer. My mom worked for uh, Jersey City uh, in their uh, housing authority. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was kind of the, the youngest, and by the time I was growing up, my oldest brother and sister had been out of the house, and when my next oldest brother went to college, I was there by myself all throughout high school. And, you know, it, it was, a, it was I think, a pretty typical childhood growing up. Did a lot of schooling, a lot of work, you know, started working when I was in high school and did a, a bunch of different jobs, kind of foreshadowing my adult life. <laughs> <laughs> what were some, tell me about some of the jobs you had as a kid. So I, I started working in the ice rink up in, it's called Persian Field in Jersey City, the big ice rink they have there. And the, I think the funny part about that is when I first started, I, I wasn't able to ice skate. <laughs> so I had to, had to learn quick, uh, but it was good. It was a great experience. And I, I got to learn how to ice skate and got to interact with a lot of different people. So that was good. And then after that, I my sophomore year, I got a job in what is, it's now gone, but it was the casino in the park, the big. Lincoln yeah, Park, a, right? Yeah, exactly. In Lincoln Park in Jersey City. And that was a big catering hall. So they did mm -hmm. a lot of weddings and different parties and uh, occasionally that. So I started out there in the kitchen and worked scrubbing pots for a while and then uh, got up to washing dishes and then eventually helped <laughs> with uh, salad prep and things like that in the kitchen. And uh, as I got older, I started doing some uh, waiting tables and things like that. So that mm -hmm. was a great experience because you really learned, you know, what it meant to work hard and, um, then eventually got to really interact with people at all different uh, levels. So that, that was a great experience. But other little jobs too, like over the summer, you know, when I was younger, I was a paper boy and all those different things. So mm -hmm. it, it was all good experiences, I think, that kind of helped shape my adulthood. Now, did you go into the Marine Corps right after you graduated from high school? I did. I, um, I had planned on going in 
pretty much since I was about uh, 14 years old, I had read a book called The Battle Cry by Leon Uris. It was all about the Marine Corps during World War II. And I, I just was sort of drawn to it, uh, you know, the camaraderie of it and the sort of hard-headedness of the, of the Marine Corps. And I was telling people all throughout my high school career that I was going to join the Marine Corps when I finished. And nobody, I don't think anybody believed me. The day I left to join, I just turned 18 and I was walking out the front door and my mom said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And she said, okay, we'll be home for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) So then when I got home, she was like, where were you? I said, I joined the Marine Corps, you know? So as soon as I graduated, I was only 17 when I graduated high school. So I waited until I turned 18 uh, to join on my own Mm -hmm. and uh, did that for four years. Tell me a little bit about your experience in the Marine Corps. In the beginning, like everybody else, I went to boot camp down in Paris Island uh, for everybody east of the Mississippi. That's where they go. And, you know, that was just very typical. 13 weeks of learning to become a Marine um, and really instilling the discipline and all that. But after that, I was lucky enough to get chosen to go to language school. So I went to uh, the Defense Language Institute out in Monterey, California for uh, 48 weeks to learn Korean. That was quite an experience because that was eight hours a day in class learning Korean. And wow. I think by the time I finished, I was probably about as good as a four-year-old <laughs> you know, in terms of speaking. <laughs> uh, it's a, definitely a difficult language, especially if you don't practice all the time. Sure. And um, from there, I went out to uh, the fleet, they call it, and I went out to Hawaii with the 1st Radio Battalion, part of the 1st Marine Expeditionary Unit. First Marine Expeditionary Brigade at the time. I got to do a lot of stuff there. I, I, I joined a unit called the Radio Reconnaissance Team, and we went to jump school. We went, uh, learned how to jump out of helicopters with, you know, repel out of helicopters and a lot of, a lot of very fun and interesting stuff. And then we floated uh, all throughout the Pacific and the, uh, and the Gulf for about six months. And then when I came back, they asked me to stay in and I said, I'll stay in, but I want to go to Korea because you, you trained me to go to Korea, you know? And they said, no, we want you to go back to the Persian Gulf. <laughs> so at that point I said, no, thank you. I said, I'm going to get out. So they spent all this time and money teaching you Korean. Did you ever have an opportunity to use that skill while you were no, in? No, other than, uh, you know, going to the local Korean restaurant and, uh, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. We never got to, I never got to go to Korea. So wow. <laughs> it, it was one of the regrets I've had, but maybe someday I'll get over there. And hopefully you can still remember enough of the Korean to uh, at least communicate some basic things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned that your dad was a police officer in Jersey city. So I'm assuming that was kind of what led you to become a police officer yourself in Jersey city. Yeah, I think so. I think that had definitely had a big uh, influence on what I did. It was definitely a, a natural career path, I think, for somebody coming out of the military. Plus, I had the pretty much my whole family <laughs> was very uh, stereotypical, uh, you know, white Irish uh, police officers, whether it was here in Jersey City or in New York City. I had two uncles, all of whom were named John, by the way. <laughs> and, <laughs> And they were all police officers as well. So it was really uh, a very much in the family. So I, I thought I wanted to do that. And I did it for seven years. 
Um, I, I did enjoy it. I, there was a lot that I learned, especially interacting with people and talking and learning how to deal with tense situations mm -hmm. uh, and calm things down a bit. So I, I really think I took a lot away from there. But after about five years, I, I realized I wanted to sort of pursue what I had always wanted to do. And that, that was to go to medical school. I was working full-time in Jersey City and I was going to New Jersey City University when I wasn't working. And it took me five years, but I was able to complete my degree. And then luckily I had a very supportive wife, Kathy, who let me go back to medical school. And I was fortunate enough to get into that. Am I correct in assuming that you're undergraduate degree was a pre-med type degree or biology, something like that? You would think so, but actually it's in criminal justice. <laughs> <laughs> so when I started going, I, I was not planning on um, going to medical school. I was taking criminal justice classes because that's what I was doing. But I was so far along, I figured I would just finish it and then went back and did my prerequisites for medical school. Yeah, I, I was thinking you talk about going into... Uh the Jersey City Police Department, and I'm sure you had to go through the academy. But after going through Paris Island, I would think that the police academy would have been a piece of cake, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking, it was, you know, um, I think Jersey City's academy at the time was very well run. It was really geared towards urban policing, mm -hmm. much more about interacting with people than uh, the, the military aspect of policing uh, that some of the, the county and state academies uh, push people toward. And I think it worked really well, like especially for guys like me who already had the military background. It was a very nice touch in terms of learning what being a police officer could really be about. Just to give us a little bit of a sense, because you had four years in the Marines, if I'm following correctly, after high school, and Correct. then you had seven <laughs> Seven I always years. I always love this because people try to figure out how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm not trying to figure out how old you are. It's now, a little confusing. I, I'm, I am curious how old you were when you started college and when you started medical school. You were older than the average medical school student, I would think. Yep, that's right. So I, I did four years in the Marine Corps from the uh, time I was 18 to 22. And then I, I took some time off uh, after I got out. I actually traveled throughout Europe. For a few months, they took a Eurorail pass and just sort of hitchhiked and traveled throughout Europe. So I came back and went on the police. I was 24, 23, actually. And then I did um, I did that for seven years. And then I went to medical school. So I was 30 when I went to medical school. Wow. And medical school is certainly demanding in many different respects in terms yeah. of what you have to learn. And, you know, you said you were married and your wife was supporting your going to medical school. And then... A residency, that is crazy in terms of the hours that you have to put in. How did you do all this? You're older than, again, a lot of the younger doctors that are that are coming into the field and, and you have a, a wife. I don't know if you had any kids yet, but how do you balance all this? You know, it was definitely challenging. And um, I think I have to give Kathy a lot of the credit. She really helped, helped me with a lot of that stuff and balancing um, a lot of the demands that were put on me. You know, as far as doing the residency and a lot of the people were younger, I was 35 when I started residency. Um, so the average age is probably more like 20, 28, 27 people starting. But for me, it was sort of a point of pride not to not to fall behind and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep up with the demands. And I, I still remember the first night there were two sort of towers in the hospital that I was working in. 
and I would go to one and I would get called to the other. So then I'd have to go down and walk over and go back up. And by the end of the night, I think I had walked about five or six miles. And I said to myself, <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I, you know, this is pretty hard. And somebody said, don't you know about the stairs that go in between the two buildings? <laughs> so there was a little stairwell that went back and forth and I would only have to take like four stairs up and down. That certainly made life a lot easier. It was, uh, you know, instead of walking five miles a night, I got down to probably one and a half. <laughs> um, but it was it was definitely a demanding time. And um, I would say, you know, put a, a fair amount of strain on 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 me and and um, the family in, in general. And it, it just was difficult, but we were able to get through it. And, uh, you know, I graduated. I was 42 when I graduated residency and fellowship. Mm-hmm. And then I started working up in Morristown uh, Medical Center. Now, when you started medical school, did you know that you wanted to be a surgeon or did you discover no. that as you went through? <laughs> you know, when I went in again, I was older. So I figured there's no way I'm going to be a surgeon. And at the time, I, I didn't think I would really want to do that. I had planned to go into pediatrics, actually. But after going through all my rotations on the, uh, well, as a medical student, surgery was really the only thing where I got up every morning and was like truly excited to go into work. Mm -hmm. So I thought about it a lot and I tried to find other disciplines that I would be happy with, you know, that I could be as excited with because I did know the, the difficulty of becoming a surgeon, but I realized, I said, this is what I really want to do. And, um, I had left being a police officer because I really wanted to pursue a career that I, that I, uh, was satisfied with. So I didn't want to settle for anything. Mm-hmm. Had some negotiations and was able to convince <laughs> Kathy to let me be, go to uh, surgical residency. It was kind of interesting because I never did plan to be a surgeon, but it, once I fell into it, I really enjoyed it. And that's why I tell medical students now, like, don't come in with these preconceived ideas. Just sort of let things happen and see where, where you wind up. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of different types of surgeons. Tell me a little bit about the, the types of surgery that you do. Sure. I'm a, a what's called a trauma surgeon. So I'm a fully board certified general surgeon. So anything from, you know, gallbladders, appendixes, bowel surgery. And then on top of that, I deal with anybody who's been in serious accidents, whether it's a car crash, a fall, sometimes gunshot wounds and stabbings anything like that. So they come into the emergency room and I have to deal with them from the time they get to the emergency room to the time they leave the hospital. Now, I guess your first foray into political office was in Jersey City on the Board of Education. Is that correct? Correct. I had just been um, accepted into medical school and I decided that wasn't enough. So So I had run for the uh, school board and I I got elected. I was actually there. Well, actually, I was there for two terms. So the first term was before I went to medical school. The second term was as I was getting into medical school. Oh, boy. And again, I just can't imagine doing all that at the same time. How did you balance? You know, I don't I just did. (laughs) Yeah, I just, you know, I don't sleep a whole lot. Um, I hope not. <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, would sort of make sure I had my schedule in order and, and try to get these things done. Well, obviously, Jersey City is an urban school district, a, a bit different from from Cranford. But t- tell me about some of the challenges of being a Board of Education member in Jersey City. 
you know, at the time, Jersey City and a lot of the urban districts were getting a large infusion of cash from the state to sort of make up for the many years where they were underfunded. So from that standpoint, I think it was it was a good thing. We were actually able to expand a lot of the educational programs and all that. But then at the same time, I think having control of all that money was challenging. And Mm -hmm. you just want to make sure that it was well spent. So I think one of the things that I did there that I was most proud of was worked with the business administrator to develop a, a very controlled supply system. Before we had started, there was very little control over the inventory. So she had come to me to ask for my support on that. And I said 100%. And she was able to computerize everything. And she actually hired a retired first sergeant from the Marine Corps to help her with it. So I thought that was a good choice. And, <laughs> and they, they were able to develop a very sophisticated supply system for the time. Everything was computerized. Everything that went out from the main central office was accounted for. So I think that was a great thing. And, you know, there was, there's always challenges in a a large district like that. But I think overall, the majority of the people who came to the board meetings were really had concerns about the education of the kids. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of what's, uh, what you see on the school boards today. Mm -hmm. Um, People are are bringing a lot of uh, political ideology to education. I think for in some regards, it was very easy. Uh, but, you know, the hard thing was you did have to get, convince nine people uh, if you wanted to get something done. And we had to convince the state. So it was always a, a bit of a challenge. But mm-hmm. I think it was a great experience overall. And again, if I've got my dates right, around 2006 was when you moved to Cranford. Is that right? Correct. I had just finished my internship. And it was a bit of a commute for me from Jersey City because we would have to travel occasionally down to Jersey Shore Medical Center in Princeton. And my son was starting first grade. So he had done preschool and uh, kindergarten in Jersey City. And we were looking for um, a new school district for him. And I wanted to be closer to work. So Mm -hmm. we looked at a bunch of the towns around here, Westfield, Scotch Plains. But then at the end of the day, we felt Cranford was the best fit for us. And and tell me about some of the things that you got involved with as a new resident of Cranford. Obviously, didn't just go right from moving into uh, running for the township committee right, since right. 2006. One of the things I'm really passionate about is the environment. And I think that's probably one of the first things I got involved with is the environmental committee and the green team. I felt like those were things that really had an impact. Those two organizations within the town are very well organized and they they get a lot of things done. You know, my first few years I was here, I was in residency. So yeah, I didn't I didn't get involved in a lot of uh, activities at that time. But as I was finishing that up and once I finished my residency and fellowship, then I started to get much more involved, especially with those two uh, committees. So, you know, I I, th- I think that was really where I put most of my energies in the town. And then I think it was, I think this was around 2016 or 17, the uh, PSE&G had planned to put up these massive uh, 5G uh, poles uh, outside everybody's houses. And they were going to do it like right along the residential streets, you know. So my wife and I joined a group and actually fought PSE&G to keep them from putting those up along Lexington and Walnut. 
and luckily was successful with that. So th- those are really the main couple things that I got involved with mm-hmm. in the town. And then I always had an interest in government. And I think it takes people who really want to do the right thing to make the town work well. And that's why I decided to run for a township committee last year. And that was definitely a challenge. Had you given any thought to running for the Board of Education before the township committee, given your previous experience in Jersey City? You know, I did uh, somewhat, um, but I, I spoke with a few people who are on the Board of Ed, and I think they do a great job there. I thought that there are things, like I said, I wanted to accomplish within the township as opposed to at the Board of Ed. I think the Board of Ed really is well run, and um, the board members are dedicated uh, people who who really want to help the schools. So I, I really, my big thing is working with the township and trying to keep Cranford green. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just noted over the last few years, maybe the last decade or so that a lot of trees were coming down and not a lot of trees were going up. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really the one thing I'm working on right now that I, I really hope to get past and, and see a, a turnaround. Well, I had mentioned that you just recently became the deputy mayor. And as we've talked about in, in previous episodes where we've had folks on from the township committee, Cranford, although we have a mayor and a deputy mayor, it's really five equal people that are serving on the township committee. No one person has more power per se than the others. The mayor obviously runs the meetings and and things of that sort. But as deputy mayor, it's not like you have some special powers to appoint people and things like that that no one else does. What have been some of your surprises serving on the township committee? It's only been a little over six months since you were sworn in. What's, What's it been like? In those six months? I think the biggest surprise really, and I knew going in that it was going to be a lot of work, but the amount of time and effort that everybody on the township committee puts in mm-hmm. was a bit of a surprise because it is sort of a, it's not a full-time job, um, at least theoretically. <laughs> um, but it it really is a lot of time and effort between all the different committee meetings and then the township committee meetings So I think that's probably the biggest surprise, but I'm also very happy to be able to say that I think the township professionals do a great job as much time and effort as it is for us. They do a great job. And uh, whether it's, you know, the police and fire or the public works, the finance department, the health department. And I know I shouldn't have started naming people because you always leave somebody out, but (laughs) I I really can't. I don't have a bad word to say about uh, any of the departments. They all work hard and, and keep Cranford a, a great town. You mentioned that obviously one of the motivations was keeping Cranford green. Other things that you'd like to accomplish during this three-year term that you were elected to? You know, right now I'm the finance commissioner. So we each have our sort of old portfolios. And I think right now the township is in great financial condition. And I want to make sure that continues, you know, be conservative, but get things done with that fiscal conservativeness, make sure that we're paving the roads, making sure that we do a lot of upkeep on the buildings. I think I think that may be one of the things that surprises me most is the things that we're, we've been sort of neglecting over the last, I would say, you know, decade or two, even uh, things like the pools. Not a lot of upkeep has gone into the pools. You know, the, there needs to be 
a lot of upkeep with that, with the library, there needs to be a lot of upkeep. I think making sure that we use the money that we're spending to, to really improve the facilities and, and the, the township uh, as best we can. Well, we've been talking on this episode of Cranford Radio with Terrence Curran, Terry Curran. He is the deputy <laughs> mayor on the township committee. Terry, thank you so much for being my guest here on Cranford Radio. Thanks, Bernie. I really appreciated it. It was a great experience.